For those that are able, I want to invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. I know we're switching the readings this morning. Uh, The gospel reading will come first. This is that transition time as Jesus is now ascending and giving instruction to his disciples uh, before his departure. Let's stand as you are able. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple, blessing God. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. This is now the beginning of Acts. And you remember the, the verse that I mentioned last week and really two weeks ago? What was that verse that you were to memorize? Acts 1, 8. And this now encompasses it in this reading. He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, Why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers. Together, the crowd numbered about 120 persons and said, Friends, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit through David foretold concerning Judas who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in the ministry. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us to his resurrection. And they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles.
I realized the other day that it's been a little over three months now since I've had the privilege of being your pastor, and that over those three months I've had the opportunity to meet, and Dorothy too on occasion, and Cora even, about 85 of you in the meet and greets, and there are more tonight. We have, it appears, 23 coming to the one this evening, 16 or 15 or 16 coming on Wednesday night, and it's just such a wonderful privilege to be able to sit in those kinds of intimate settings and, and talk about the church. What I've seen is, is pretty incredible, pretty amazing. And what I'd like to do as we begin kind of stewardship time to tell you what I've seen, tell you what I've noticed, and talk a little bit about what that means maybe for us as we look at moving ahead. I remember sharing with you a number of weeks ago that one of the things that I did, and Brandy and Vince are here, and they, they know intimately well that this happened, is I sent five spies into Auburn before I got there to find out if the community knew anything about First United Methodist Church of Auburn and found out there was very little that they knew <clears throat> other than two folks who were attending recovery groups at the church. Whether over the last three years, that church literally exploded in a number of different ways, partly because they, they, they gained an understanding of vision and mission and the impact and influence they could have in the community. And it has really done an amazing job in a number of different areas once they realized that it wasn't just about bringing in homeless to feed them on Monday nights and then charging them rent. But it was about looking at homelessness in a much better, bigger way. It wasn't just about feeding victims of domestic violence, but making sure that, that those folks who were victims had a place to go and then examining the root causes of domestic violence in South King County. For them, it was also about a place. It was about being proud of and, and really, for the sake of God, creating a sanctuary that people could come in and just immediately feel the presence of God. And so they took on, over a two-year period, rebuilding their sanctuary and then their social hall and then inviting the most at-risk parents and their youngest of children into the church as ACAP, this incredible program in South King County, is now housed at First United Methodist Church. Now, if you were to walk through Auburn, I think without question that if you asked about who knows about First United Methodist Church, most people would be able to say, oh, they're the ones who now house ACAP, or they're the ones who have taken on domestic violence, or they're the ones who have hold, held autism forums and other forums around children at risk, that they have become a very central place in that community. And so now you know I sent spies into Bellevue. I'm not going to talk as much about that this morning as I am what I've noticed from you. I'll talk about the spies in the coming weeks, so you don't want to miss it. Does the greater community know that we're here or why? Well, what I found in this church over these last three months is a church that cares deeply for each other, at least those that you know. It's a church that cares deeply about helping and feeding those in need in a lot of places, most of which focus on people at some level of homelessness. What I've found is a wide variety of adults who want to learn more and know more and go deeper in their faith. And that this is a place that has some great memories around things like the construction project at White Swan, 
that for many in this church, that was a life-changing event. What I've also found is a church that either really misses David or really misses Rhodey and many who are still grieving over that sense of loss and very few who understand why neither of them is here any longer. It's a place filled with children during the week, but a very little relationship with families or even the staff downstairs. I have a sense that those who are in first service, and I talked about that this morning with them, really miss the informality and the intimacy that they found when they met in Friendship Hall. And each Sunday are hoping in some way to experience it again, but the services seem a bit hollow to them. Here in second service, ironically enough, there is that sense in that moment at the end of worship where you hold hands, some of you very uncomfortable by it, and yet you hold hands across the aisle and sing that closing song written by Rhodey's brother. And for you, there is that sense of community that happens in that moment. Bottom line, what I have found is Aldersgate wants to be the church God is calling it to be and is yet unsure of what that might look like. And underneath that is some level of fear that it may mean changing. And then in walks the new guy. Sent to us by the same group that took away our beloved pastors. And we wonder, should we invest in the relationship with him? Should we trust him? Or even listen to him knowing that there is the possibility that he will also be taken away or choose to leave? The word that keeps coming to mind for me is longing. There is a sense of longing here, and it's deep, it's sometimes painful, it's appropriately prideful, and at other times it's very close to the surface. So I thought, particularly as we head into this time of stewardship and maybe the opportunity and a time to cast a new vision, that you needed to know where I stand on some of this. And I apologize about my voice. I'm just right on the edge right now of what my family so lovingly shared with me. (laughs) She said, you're welcome. First, I want to tell you something. I have absolutely no greater aspiration, no greater aspiration than serving as the pastor of this church. There is no higher privilege in my book than serving as the pastor at Aldersgate United Methodist Church. That feeling has absolutely nothing to do with salary or the parsonage or prestige. It has nothing to do with my father. He and I are so drastically different on our approach to ministry that it just can't be that. But I tell you, it's so odd and so weird knowing that he stood right here. And I still get called Paul every once in a while. The reality is that it has to do with you. It has to do with those of you sitting in this congregation who come each week. It has to do with watching the way you care for your children and your grandchildren. It has to do with your passion for taking care of each other and taking care of those beyond the doors who are in need. It has to do with the consistent level of giftedness that I see every time I sit in a meet and greet or in a meeting with you. It has to do with the way that you treat each other. It's not always great, but it's pretty much always honest. 
And I mean that. It has to do with the leaders, those currently sitting in leadership in the church and those who are not. And it has to do with what I have now know is at the heart of you. I can answer that question that I asked you in the second week that I was here. What is at the heart of Aldersgate United Methodist Church? It's love. It's love. Working in a community filled with grace. And it is for that reason I wanted to study the book of Acts together. Now, as honest as I've just been with you, I still believe that we have significant work to do. Suffice it to say, I think that work falls in three very distinctive areas. Those include an in-priority order first, deeply exploring how we love God and how we allow God to love us. That's number one. Second, how we love each other and create opportunities for that within this body of Christ we can find relationships even though we worship in two very different styles, in two very different ways, and at two very different hours, that there have to be ways that we learn to more deeply love and appreciate each other. And part of that, by the way, can be kind of talked about in one three-letter word, fun. We need to learn to have fun together again. Third, we need to talk very openly about how we serve the world. What you will also hear over the next number of weeks is my hope and my vision in the way that leadership happens here. That we expand the leadership model that we currently have with the ALC, but we also now add two other elements at least to that leadership model that will allow others who feel gifted in leadership to serve in ways that will allow them to serve with their gifts. And one is that we, that we provide a group for whom visioning is a significant part of who they are and what they are, and they bring those gifts to this church in incredible ways, but have nowhere to put it right now. And on the other end of that, that we have a group for whom leadership and training and support are also gifts that they bring, folks who travel nationally and internationally talking about these things but have no place really to put that. And in the midst of that, looking at ways, and you'll see this in the next coming weeks and months as the stewardship stuff comes out, is we don't have a way to track what your gifts are yet or what you love to do and how that might come into play with how you serve God in the church. Love God. Love each other. Serve the world. That's how I'd like to encompass the vision. That's the dream that I have. But in the midst of it all, what I want you to know more than anything is my growing love and admiration of you. And I hope you hear that clearly. If you don't understand that or believe that, then what it must appear is that what I'm offering you is nothing more than recommendations or worse, advice and judgment from someone on the outside. And inasmuch as I still feel a little bit on the outside, I've only been here three months, but my hope is that over time you will let me in. And I guess what I'm asking for you, from you, is your trust. Is your trust. And I am deeply aware that trust comes over time and with experiences as we grow together. But that brings us to the book of Acts. 
The authors of the book that we're studying on my Wednesday morning class say it this way, why the body of Christ, the church, is so important. They write, God's intention is to form a people, a community, a visible body. The concern of Scripture is not the spiritual state of individuals, their holiness, or even their salvation. The focus is God's ecclesia, God's community taking form in this world. We are called to provide a new world and a new vision for those who share in it. From Genesis through Revelation, God is hard at the task of forming a people of God, Israel, the new Israel, and finally the book that talks about being the body of Christ. Jesus sends out his disciples to make more disciples, to baptize and teach this move to community, to a people, and even to enduring institutions that carry and express our shared memories and hope is a central but often neglected theme of the Christian faith. Jim Wallace out of Sojourners Magazine says it this way. He says, The greatest need for a time is koinonia, the simple call to be the church, to love one another and to offer our lives for the sake of the world. The creation of living, breathing, loving communities of faith at the local level is the foundation of all other answers. Now, in the short time that I have, I want to go one more place. Inasmuch as I think what we have to do is look at those three areas very succinctly. And by the way, the other piece of the leadership model is the ALC, the Auburn Leadership Council. That's where it all comes together. The visioning, that's where the teaching and the support comes. That's where the decision-making happens. That is the decision-making body of the church. And all these other two do is support that along with everything else that happens in the church. That's the peak. That's the pinnacle. That's where the ultimate direction is going to come. But in the midst of that... We need to define who we are and what we do by those three things. What are we doing right now that allows us to love God? And to understand that we are loved by God. That has to be number one. Because if it's not number one, then all the other things we do will burn us out. Number two is, as I said, learning more deeply how to love each other, one another in this body. And number three, then, is where do we find definition about serving the world? Well, I will guarantee you that the definition will go back to number one. And this becomes a cycle, but it's not just the leadership process for us or the vision that we have or the statement of mission. It becomes a process by which people can engage in this church. Every new person who is walking through the door is coming here because they're looking for something. Every one of you who are now here came here looking for something. Somebody invited you to this place or you looked it up or you found it on the web somehow, but you came looking for something. And believe me, it's not just a social club that you were looking for. You were looking for something, I think, that would deepen that relationship and that understanding is that there is, by golly, a God who loves you, who is seeking every day to show you that. And you're looking for something that allows you to be in relationship with other semi-like-minded people. You may not agree on everything, but there's something about coming together in a place where you can have fun together and accomplish things together that is energizing. 
And so we need to build on that. But we also live in a place that is in desperate need of service to the world. And that brings me back to Acts 1.8. As Dave read, did you hear the words again? Wait for the power from on high. Then go be my witnesses. And if you walk into the youth room right now, what you see on the flip chart is the definition of witness. Think about court. What is a witness in court? But someone who had firsthand experience in some situation that is bringing testimony to that firsthand experience. Isn't that what witness is? So what's your firsthand testimony? of what you've experienced? Have you opened yourself up to the power from on high? Have you then allowed God to work through that and directed you towards something to which you can now witness because of the experiences you've had? And my fear, friends, is that we're doing a lot of this stuff because we know it needs to be done. But is that other piece still there? Is it there? the power from on high peace. But here's another idea that I wanted to share with you today. You know, we're doing a lot of incredibly wonderful things. It's incredible, I mean, incredible to see the amount that you're doing. But what I keep hearing over and over and over again is this longing of doing something all together. And we're supporting a number of different things, but what if... What if we took the words of Jesus seriously about going into the world? What if, what if we looked at Jerusalem and then looked at Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth? What if, out of that longing that we have to recreate something like White Swan, what if for the next four years we dedicated ourselves beyond what we're already doing in the community? What if as a whole church we chose one thing that we would support and build locally. And we came together as a whole church looking at that thing. But, but it involves sweat and work and those kinds of things. And then the second year, next year, what if we looked regionally and looked at something regionally that needs that kind of power and support? And then in three years, what if we looked at something even more challenging regionally that engages people we may not otherwise engage? the Samaria peace. And then what if in year four, four years from now, we looked at something international, something international where we as a church could go and build, whether it's schools in Vietnam or something in Africa or, 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 or those kinds of things. What if we did that? These are the things that I'm dreaming of right now. And as Dorothy will tell you, I'm dreaming a lot. Because of those things that I see in you. I want to say it one more time. And even with Vince and Brandy sitting here coming out of the Auburn church. I miss Auburn tremendously. But there is no greater privilege in my life right now. Other than being a husband and a father. No greater privilege than serving as your pastor. None. And I've already mentioned to the bishop that it is my desire to be here until I retire 12 years from now at the earliest.
that is my desire, and we have had that conversation. You need that. <laughs> so do we. <laughs> Friends, God has a vision for us. God has a mission and needs for us. And what a privilege to be here in a time where there is that longing. What an exciting opportunity to be here in this time and to begin to look deeper at that. You have been called, each of you, to be in this place at this time, at this point in the Aldersgate history. You have been called to be here. You've been called. Let's pray. God of creation, we thank you. I thank you. For those who have invested so much in this church over so many years, who continue to live out that vision that was created over decades. I thank you for those who are fairly new here, who are searching for their place to engage in that call, in that vision that you have for this church. And I thank you for those who've come in the last two or three weeks looking for that place that would answer that need to deepen their relationship with you and to find a community that can be surrounding them. And I thank you for all the lives that have been touched beyond these doors by the myriad of programs that are so important to this church that is so mission-minded. I praise you for that heart. Now help us bring it all together. Help us see your vision. All of this I ask in the powerful name of the power from on high who seeks to fill us every day. The God of creation. Amen.